Welcome back, everybody. We're doing Logos Podcast episode number 99. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend Austin Loop. And this week, joined by a very special guest. Fourth or fifth time on, maybe? I think it may be third. Third time Third on? time on. So uh, officially, uh, not a guest. Not a guest. But a friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, my wife Emily say hi Emily hi <laughs> we also have Andy. making his grand debut baby Valor is here ready to roll with us so you might hear a little bit of noise from from my man over there Definitely. we will be okay with that because you'll also hear my dog barking who's very angry he is not inside it's true with us he wanted to meet the baby but Episode number 99, we are excited to be here. Uh, If you haven't done so, jump on Facebook and submit a question or a thought or a concern for episode 100, providing we get enough responses from that. We will do those for that episode. Otherwise, let's figure it out from there. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll do something. But uh, we're going to dive in, and we're going to dive in right away. So today, we're going to open up a can of worms, I think. Oh, yeah. We're going to maybe find something that... Austin and I don't necessarily agree on, so <laughs> that'll be fun. We found a couple things. We found a couple yeah. things, but you know, I don't know if we've talked a whole lot about all of. Anyway, head coverings, head coverings in the church, specifically women in head coverings. We so, talked a little bit about men, but yeah, a little bit about men. Yeah, but women in head coverings. So we're gonna dive into that, and th- th- this comes from First Corinthians chapter eleven, and so we're gonna read that. We're gonna start going through it, and we're gonna just kind of discuss: Should women in today's church? wear head coverings in believe i mean correct me if i'm wrong it's within a worship service right within a church service and then just praying in general maybe maybe i, I guess All we'll right. see as we start I guess we'll see as we go. <laughs> uh, full disclosure i have not had a single thought on head coverings until maybe the last two weeks so <laughs> yeah. i've been reading some stuff and looking at some stuff and kind of gauging both sides and i have a little idea of where i land but again full disclosure austin and emily have studied this way more than i have and looked into it way more than i have so I might still be right, but they'll sound better. So <laughs> there you go. Way to, way yeah. to lead. Nice. The um. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's not dive into it, and we'll just we'll see where it takes us. Cool. So, let's do it. Uh, Austin, you want to read First Corinthians eleven? Yeah, I'll do that. One through what? Sixteen. One through sixteen. Yeah. So today I'm reading out of New King James because uh, there are some issues with ESV when it comes to this passage, which we'll we'll talk about that too. So, verse 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me, remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor is a man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. 
For as woman came from man, even so man also comes from woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. Her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. This is the reading of God's word. So my thought is we're just, we'll, we'll kind of go through verse one and make our way through. And we'll stop and just look at each of these points because there are multiple, multiple points to this. So, okay, right off the bat, verse one, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We see this throughout most all of Paul's letters, telling, telling them to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Not imitating him as just a man, but imitating him as when he is imitating Christ, when he is imitating um, everything that that encompasses, you know, the obedience, when he is talking about prayer, when he's talking about everything that is good and true and perfect. This is what he's telling people to imitate. He's not telling them to imitate the the part of his life that he has a thorn in his side right. or or things that are not of God. This should be a goal of every believer, right? To where people can look at you, people can can follow your example, follow your lead and be closer to Christ because of it. Exactly. That that should yeah. be the goal of every Christian. Yeah, exactly. And so as he's telling them to imitate him, then he dives into now I praise you, or in other versions, it's I commend you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So this is interesting. He starts this passage off this way. I guess, I guess we can dive in a little bit to history, history of head coverings. Just looking at church history, looking at the church as a whole, and even just looking at uh, Judaism. So like in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish religion, not that's actually supposed to be in scripture, but the, the, the priests, the head, would, the head would be covered. Now, yeah, you go back to the Old Testament. Um, it talks about when the, uh, we talked about the cloak or the coat that would cover from the collar all the way down past the knees, the, the robe, the garments, uh, they would also have a turban. As it was prescribed to Aaron and his, his sons, the, the turban, um, as you get further on to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they would cover their heads as well whenever they prayed or whenever they prophesied, whenever they taught from the word of God. As we get further in, though, at where, where we're talking here, that's not quite right. As, as we see, Paul is addressing the men. Because, uh, yeah, we'll read here in a minute that Men are not to have their head covered when they are praying, prophesying, or teaching whatever they may be, may be doing because that dishonors their head, their head being Christ. So going throughout church history, uh, for, from the apostles, first generation, uh, church fathers, all the way through to, it was right before the feminist movement in the 1800s. The head coverings were very prominent and they were still very much a part of church history. And it wasn't until the feminist movement kicked off, um, I, I, can't for, I can't remember the date, um, they actually told the women to mail in their head coverings so that they could have a, like a public burning ceremony of head coverings as we are burning the symbol 
of authority that's been placed over our head. Their bondage. Their bondage. <laughs> they claimed it as bondage. And so they purposely said, mail them in, and we're going to have a public display of burning bondage, basically. And so that kicked off the feminist movement, and it infiltrated the church, and it's gone so deep that all these passages have now been construed, at least how we've seen it, biblically. And so now we have everyone thinking, oh, well, head coverings, they're, they're, it's a terrible thing, and they're, they're telling women to go back into bondage and the legalism and so on and so forth. Or even that it was just cultural for the Corinthians and that right. nobody else was required or commanded to do it, although for the past 2,000 years, everyone has done it until, what, the last 100, 150? Maybe 150, yeah. yeah. But yeah. even then, you can still probably remember your grandma wearing a hat to church, or at least on Easter, and, you know... There are times there. Are, there's little bit that has seeped through, but not very much. No, it's definitely not something you see very often. I mean, no. it just when I when I met you guys and and started to get to know you all and and kind of be around you guys, I legitimately thought that the bandana, the head covering, was a fashion statement for whatever you were wearing. Uh, did not occur to me that it was something that you took out of scripture. Did not even crossed my mind that that was a thing um obviously i'd read first corinthians 11 you know because i've read throughout i've read the scripture a few right, times yeah. right but that thought never crossed my mind because it's never been something that i've ever had to contend with never been something that has ever been brought up uh in the multiple churches that i've been involved in even your more couple of my more traditional churches that i've been involved in uh you know i, I was working at a, at a church plant uh, in louisville for a while that was very, very traditional. I mean, it, it felt like you were almost in a seminary class when you were listening to his sermons. Uh, it was very educational, very powerful still, like it was applicable. Yeah. But it, it was very, you know, we, we sang a lot of hymns and did a few modern songs here and there when they would let us. Like it wasn't a lot of, and never came up there. Yeah. You know, we're talking like second or third in command at Southern Seminary was one of our pastors. Yeah. So it, you know, it just never was something that was brought up even in that setting. Right. Yeah. It was never brought up until it was just like, I don't know, just one day I was reading it and I was like, wait a second, I've read this how many times? And right. I've literally never given one thought to this. <laughs> it's just crazy because we're just so steeped in not having it as a thing. And even if you look at the Catholic church, I think they... um made it not a requirement or something in the 70s. I didn't look this up recently, so I don't remember exactly. Um, don't quote me. But they got rid of it, like, in the 70s. But still, a lot of Catholic churches will, like, a lot of their women still veil um, during services. And if you go to most other countries, they still do. Oh, yeah. Mainly mm -hmm. the West are the ones who don't, which right. is, to me, is also just an indicator of, you know, if the West is screwing it up, you know, and the rest of the world is <laughs> right. not right. when it comes to Christianity, that might be something to look at. So, yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a second, because I do want to talk about the cultural side of this. Mm -hmm. But I think we get get back into scripture, too, and just kind of see what... I'm really... I want to hear your thoughts on how you interpret this and what, you know, what this prescribes yeah, to us. Yeah, ask questions. Yeah, for sure. This is going to be a lot more interview style, and then I'm going to come up with a few things that I've read and be like, hey, how do you respond to this? Hey, how do you respond to that? This That's sounds what I'm good. That's excited for. Yeah. 
So, all right, we'll go verse three. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. All right, we're going to stop there. <laughs> so it, it is my belief that, in, in Scripture, but just in this culture, that this is the reason why... We hate it. We hate it, yes. The world, our country, feminists, this is why they hate this portion of Scripture so much, because this is it. This is such a... a influential part of telling people who is in charge the hierarchy we hate hierarchy don't mention hierarchy to certain people because they will fly off the handle (laughs) there's a hierarchy within the godhead too well it's literally uh, what we're talking about yeah yeah there's hierarchy with angels there's hierarchy with demons and satan there's hierarchy in ants there's hierarchy in bees there it's Throughout creation, it just there's hierarchy in your job. Yeah. I mean, who who, who yeah. hasn't seen one of those organizational workflow charts, right? Where you got the top person and then it just branches down to everybody right. else. Have you ever heard of the to, military? To your little <laughs> peon self at the bottom. Oh yeah, but that that's all just you know sinful men and they're they're wanting to control and and unless it's a woman at the top, and then it's okay. Then it's okay. Yeah, girl power. Okay. Anyway, I I want to say too, I do agree completely, obviously, with the the roles between men and women that they are different. Like there, there is no distinction between the spiritual or the personal importance of male male and female. Right? Like God doesn't look at them and say you're better than you, and and so on and so forth. That's not what anyone is saying here. It is we all have our different roles. Like that, it is a divinely prescribed hierarchy mm-hmm. and, and a divinely prescribed system that puts women in a certain role and men in a certain role. Right. And if I've said this so many times on the show, if you do things God's way, things go better for you in your life. Even and if so that means death. if you try <laughs> this yeah. way in your marriage and in your life, pretty confident you're going to find that it works a lot better and you're a lot more fulfilled. You're a lot more satisfied because you're satisfied in him and you're not right. trying to go outside the bounds. Right. Well, in uh, we I mean we've talked about that men are men and women are different, of course, but biblically speaking, men and women are not equal. From the standpoint of okay, yes, we're both sons and daughters of the king, we're both heirs to the throne, but we're not equal. This isn't a a modern day equality type deal. Th- things are not equal. Uh, again, that is the reason why men are different from women, women are different from men. We do not have equal roles. The roles are different. And instead of just talking about, oh, well, yeah, we're different. It's like, no, we're not equal. And as we get to this portion of scripture, this is the big headline for why we're not equal. So like I said, verse three, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Verse four. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Okay, so who is the head of man? It's Christ. So if he wears a covering over his head as he is praying, as he's preaching, as he's worshiping, whatever it may be, he is dishonoring his head, being Christ. He's dishonoring Christ. Now, here's something. I'm So that's New King James. I want to read that. Same verse 3 out of the ESV. 
And this this is kind of a bummer because this completely changes the outline of this whole portion of scripture. And I can add that this is representative of a lot in the ESV. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. This isn't my main study. This this is my main read. But anyway, so verse three. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. See how much that changes? So, okay, let's get into the Greek words. The The word here for wife or or woman is gune. So I'm, I'm going to read the footnote of the ESV, and then we'll talk about it for a sec. Ver, in verse 5 through 13, the Greek word gune is translated to wife in verses that deal with wearing a veil, a sign of being married in the first century. Okay. So the sign of being married in the first century, that's not historical. They had wedding rings back then. They had wedding rings back then. Uh, being, uh, being, yeah, sign of being married in the first century, that, that, that's not historical and that's not biblical. When you go back to the original translations, the, um, the interlinear going directly from Hebrew to uh, English, directly from Greek to English, um, it is translated woman, not, not as a wife. But also, I like it how... Throughout this portion of scripture, it's whenever man is brought up, it's man. It's not husband. But then in this section here, they change man to husband, which the Greek word for man and husband is not the same. So they're they're contorting things that are not supposed to be done that way. So King James, New King James, Interlinear, Geneva, all their translation says, every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, the head of Christ is God. And the reason why this is such a, a, a big part is, again, they're misrepresenting scripture. But also this gets into misrepresentation of authority figures. Saying that basically a woman does not have an authority over her head until she's married. Just go, go back and listen to all of her past episodes. No, a woman has a power of authority over her head being her father. Her father should be this role for her. And once he passes her on to her husband, then that authority figure passes over to her husband. And so, again, it's the hierarchy. The head of man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. But the, the head of woman is, is man. Not, not just her husband, but men. This goes back to God created women to be taken care of. God created woman for the man and not the woman for not not the man for the woman as we will read yeah exactly <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll get into that here in a little bit but yeah as we're talking about the the covering for men uh every man praying or prophesying having his head covered dishonors his head do you have anything for that bread cut that out if you want no okay i think you're good <laughs> All right, <clears throat> moving on, verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. All right, so now we get into the, the controversy of the day, the, the head covering for, for women. Uh, pause there. Emily, how, how long have you been covering since the Lord revealed it to you? <laughs> About six years. Okay, how, how long do you think I've been on board with it? About six years. Okay. <laughs> this this was one of those where this, he did not force me to do it. Just, no. By the way, let's get that clear. Well, and I like I wasn't I wasn't I fully on board 
right away either. Right. Well, I had to bring you like, because once I read it, I was like, wait a second. I've, I've legitimately read this many, many times, yeah. but I have never I have once too. read it in a way where I was considering like thought of it. Yeah. I, I, I just read through it and I honestly, I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> like, yeah. I just feel like at a certain point he just opened my eyes and was like, here, you dummy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I started, I, I went to Austin. I was like, do you remember this? Like, why, why don't people do this anymore? And so then I just started like looking into all of it, looking into the history, looking into why we don't do it. And back then there wasn't a lot on it. It's, it's started kind of having a little bit more of a resurgence mm-hmm. since then. Um, and so I can, you know, now I have a lot more resources that I can point to and say, well, this is helpful. Um, but for me, really, all it took was reading it, and I'm like, well, that's it. Like, I don't need a bunch of resources to tell me to do it because it's pretty plain in Scripture. And so then I started reading all the, like, arguments against it, and I was like, hmm, okay, I don't buy that. <laughs> okay, that falls through because of this. You know, And then I was able to go through all of the rebuttals, basically, and be like, okay, well, I tried, but uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't, well, with the chapter before my conscience (laughs) tells me that this is not going to work i can't disprove the uh fact that i need to obey (laughs) so so does it come down to one of of the things i've i've read just in doing some research on this uh, one of the conclusions and I, i do think at times it can be a pretty weak conclusion full disclosure on a lot of a lot of topics that we talk about yeah. when it comes to controversial things. <laughs> but I also think in some cases it is a valid a valid conclusion. Do what your conscience permits. Mm-hmm. So in a scenario like this with, with head coverings, that is one thing I've read a few times in a few different places is ultimately this issue comes down to your conscience and what you feel led to do, what how you feel, you know, kind of like we talk about the alcohol situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where it comes down to if you don't think alcohol... Is is okay in your world, and and you don't want to do it? Then yeah, you're, that's your conviction. You need to stick with it, and we don't need to say anything negative about it. Would you prescribe the same thing to this? Where if I say, okay, Emily, you hold to this conviction that this needs to happen. My wife, fake wife, does not hold <laughs> to that conviction, and so therefore, I'm not going to hold her to that as well. Right. Like, so what do you? What are your thoughts well, there? So the question. Or, Question Austin is, too. in these past six years, have you gone to any woman telling her you have to head cover? I have never told anyone to head cover. I believe all women should head cover. That being said, I have never told anyone to head cover. I have never even encouraged, well, encouraged, I would say sure. I've encouraged maybe two or three people who have come to me about it. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, if you're coming to me, then, you know ultimately that's what it comes down to but i would also say i wanted to feel convicted to do it i wanted that because that's a good motivator to obey is if you're feeling convicted i did not feel convicted i read it and i was like well logically i don't understand i like i couldn't get past it on a on an intellectual level i'm like i no i don't understand why we don't do this and i had never seen it i mean i've never seen it again the grandmas at easter is about the only (laughs) time you know, I had ever seen it or like Little House on the Prairie, you know, back right. when they still wore bonnets to church and stuff like that. I mean, but I had never put it together or even the Amish and Mennonite type. I had never considered why. Once I read it, I was like, oh, that actually That's makes why. a lot of sense. They're, they're obeying. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. they might not necessarily, not everybody remembers why they're doing it if they're not right. keeping that fresh. But right. I would say I 
started obeying and over time and through sanctification i have become what you would call convicted i that's convinced. a different i'm convinced there you are convinced. i don't like convinced. the word convicted because it's not accurate well that's in how i want to talk about it. that yeah and, and it's separate it's completely valid uh, you know we have we've been given intellect and logic for a reason right god is a god of order he's a god of logic and so if that's the way you're convinced is through logic, and, and that's an apologetic, you know, yep. a, a form of apologetics is to convince people through logic or argue from a f- side of logic, that's totally valid. Like, it right. doesn't have to come with this heavy weight of conviction right. like you do over your sin, right? It right. can come through a logic. I mean, you look at uh, Lee Strobel. I'm not sure what his theology necessarily is, but he came to faith in Christ through logic, through right. investigation, right, right. and through, and I think that is well, completely Lewis. valid. C.S. Lewis. CS, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So I think that's totally valid and, yeah. and totally something that makes makes sense. Also, I like logic, and that's mm-hmm. right. where I tend to go from, too. Yeah. So. And my thing here is <clears throat> when we're talking about topics like, like alcohol, and I, I know you weren't going this way, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> um, talking about conscience, and okay, what does scripture say about alcohol? And nowhere in scripture does it say don't drink alcohol, it just says don't become drunk. So if your conscience tells you, you know, I need to stay away from it, that's different than what we're talking about here. Right. Because scripture is telling you to do it. Right. Versus different... if scripture is telling you not to drink alcohol and you drink alcohol, then you're sinning. Right. So when it's telling you to do something, it's not a matter of conscience, it's a matter of obedience. Okay. And then once you're obeying, like like Emily's saying, once you obey, again, talking about the word convicted. Again, it's a term not found in scripture. Um, well, it is, but not in that way. <laughs> right. It's it, it, Yeah, it is in yeah. scripture, but not in the way people use it. Paul uses the word, I am fully convinced. And when you are fully so convinced of something, yeah. right. But you don't also have to be fully convinced of something to obey. You oh, have that's to, very true. You have yeah. to know it's yeah. truth to obey it, but... When it when it comes to things through scripture that tell you to do it, you, you obey. I mean, that's a lesson you see with kids, right? Like you don't have to understand why your mom and dad don't want you to stick a fork in the outlet. You right. just don't do it. Like that's you're, you're just obey. To the wrong person My... right now. Actually. <laughs> it wasn't a fork. It was something else. It was a knife. It's a knife. It's fine. It was a long time ago. I didn't realize it wasn't as long okay. as you would like. <laughs> and now I'm in the tree business, trimming for high powered power lines. It's it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Um, what am I talking about? I'm uh, sorry. Just <laughs> off. Derailed. Conviction? Are we yeah. About yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, we, we, you don't I have to we, feel it to obey. You right. just need to, or understand to obey. You just obey. What I tell my kill, a, my children is, <laughs> my children, you know what? Oh, my goodness. Oh. It's not even that early. Anyway, what I tell our children is, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Right. But here is the point of, you are not telling your children just to obey to for the sake of obedience it's do this but then as paul literally states out in this whole section do this and this is why when you're tell Which when you tell helpful. your children to obey you're not doing it and telling them because i told you so it's do this because this is why well because i told you so so is good enough but because we love them it's, and we want to set them up for the future so that they're not just hanging on a because my parents told me so. Right. You give them the why as the foundation 
to so yeah. that they can stand on it and pass it on. I mean, how many times do you see child, older kids or even just like young adults say something to the effect of, well, I rebelled or I, I don't use that term necessarily, but I walked away from this or I stopped doing that because I never knew why I did it. I just was told I had to. Exactly. Right. Because it does, it doesn't. That won't stick, no. right? Right. That leads to the rebellion. I mean, that leads to I'm the, you know, big deal. I'm super yeah. big on all of that. Like you explain why, so that on the times where you don't or can't explain why, they trust enough. You've got a good enough of a background of explaining why that they're like, okay, well, at some point I'll learn. Yeah. This is not right. the time. <laughs> well, and and that's it. It's all these kids that have walked away, and you talk to their parents. Their parents are like, we did teach them that. <laughs> Maybe once or twice. And with children, it is a repetitive, repetitive thing. With each one. With you each one. You do it over and over yeah. with each one. With each one. And each each child's different. So like as we're catechizing our children, we're going through the Westminster, we're going to go through questions one through ten half a million times. Yeah. Probably more. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, ten through twenty, another two million times. But even even just the phrase, I told you so. Uh, the, the history based off of that is it's not I told you so as in I told you to do something, go clean your room, and they ask why, and you're like, well, I told you because so. Because I said so. Right. No, no. When you say I told you so, it's referring back to telling them the reason why they have I to clean your room. explained it to you. Yeah. It's I told you so. I've, I've already told you why you need to clean your room. It's not I told you so because, well, I just told you to do it, so do it. No, I have already explained to you why over and 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 over again, but you, you're, you still haven't listened. So now I just need you to obey. Right. So yeah, they, they rabbit trail there talking about head coverings. We never do that. Right. We never go on. Well, but that, I mean, Paul, but it makes sense. Paul though. is doing that. Yeah. He's saying, here's the tradition. Here's why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and yeah, going back to verse two, keep their traditions just as I delivered them to you. He's telling them to keep these as we're reading through this. And he gives about 10 different reasons why all like in repeated in different ways and just so they'll get it. Right. Yeah. It's not a one verse passed by mention. It's a 16 verse. Yeah. But we're not going to do it, but we, we firmly believe this actually goes through the whole chapter of for well, chapter 11. Just the but. whole thing. I mean, it's all written together. Yeah, so. it's fine. It's a letter. So yeah, uh, <laughs> moving on. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one in the same as her head were shaved. So dishonoring her head. Who is her head? Again, looking at the ESV, it would be her husband. So the one of the common arguments is, okay, maybe married women are to have their head covered. But if they're not married, then they don't have to have their head covered. Well, going back to the original Greek, it's it's man. It's not just husband, it's man. So that authority figure being that girl's father. So if she is uncovered during this time of, of prayer, prophesying, uh, whatever it may be, she is dishonoring her head, being her father. If she's married, then she'd be dishonoring her head that is her husband. But that's almost as bad <laughs> as the husband part these days because everybody's got a daddy problem. So there's almost as much, if not more, rebellion against the father, which is indicative of, you know, all of us. Right. <laughs> as much rebellion against the father as the husband. So well, this so get... they're not going to like, nobody's going to like any of that. <laughs> no. But this gets into the Ten Commandments. 
honor your father and mother. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. <laughs> but it's in the New as well. And it, it, here's the thing of, okay, if you had a terrible father, or if you did not have a father at all, Scripture tells us just because you don't have a physical father doesn't mean you can't honor him. And, okay, say you grew up without a father, you don't have a father at all, it's still telling you that if you don't, you're still dishonoring your father, therefore you're sinning. Well, and who is the father at that point? God, yeah. So you've skipped a couple of the middle parts, but at that point you're directly under, I mean, I still would argue that you're not directly under, but you're right. you're under God's headship regardless. Right. It's just you're skipping a couple of the middlemen. So when the woman does not have a father, the, the person that takes on that mantle is her, her pastor. Now, uh, yes, ideally. ultimately, <laughs> ultimately God, but ideally it would be her pastor if she's proclaiming Christ and is in a church. Whatever elders. Or the, elder. the elders, yeah, yeah. I think, too, we need to understand, because this is something that, the, the word head is used a lot in this passage, and it's used in two different ways. Mm-hmm. The physical, actual head of the human, mm-hmm. right, of the woman of the man, but also the head is in the leader. Yep. And, and I think maybe... We've lost a little bit in translation here where we should use the term like lead or leader just to differentiate between the word head and head. Right. Right. Like Physical head versus headship. Or headship. There yeah. And um, so understand too when you're reading this that sometimes, and you're going to have to kind of use context clues here, <laughs> sometimes it means physical head, sometimes it means headship or leader right. or authority. Right. Yeah. Authority is a big portion of this part of scripture, in case you didn't know. So we'll continue. Verse 6. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. So this gets into another big part. And this, I mean, this whole part is big, but anyway. <laughs> um, is Paul telling women to therefore cut her, their hair? So should the woman shave her head? Do it. Do it. No. Just kidding. Do go all Britney Spears. Let's well, go. Well, because you you have two. You have shorn and shaved. There, there's a difference. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. So shorn is cut hair. Short, cropped hair. Uh, as, as a man would wear his hair. Versus shaved, completely bald. And he's not saying to do either. Don't do either. And... Uh, here, here in a it's, minute, it, as we go further, it's he is addressing nature. He he is addressing the 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 order of creation, and it's not a good thing for a woman to have short hair or to be bald or to be shaved at all. So I, I've seen where I see cultural tendencies in this chapter i see it really and who shaved their head or kept their hair short were typically prostitutes and feminists uh, right you've been reading a bunch of macarthur i do like macarthur <laughs> <laughs> i mean because i mean you look you look at men's hair and women's hair biologically they both grow in theory at the same rate right if you if you let your hair grow continue to grow without cutting it austin it's going to get long it's right. going to get long like a quote-unquote woman's hair would get same way with ladies. You keep your hair growing, it's going to just keep growing, and it's going to get long. And so I, I don't know if it's a biological... I mean, look at... I mean, all the... Maybe maybe this didn't happen or not. I don't know. All the de- depictions of Christ, all the traditions we have of Christ and, and of those in those days, the men did have long hair, right? And paintings. 
Yeah. In paintings. Yeah. Catholic so I, paintings. Catholic paintings. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm with you on. And I don't think you shave your head because I just think it looks weird. But yeah. <laughs> as a woman. But women with short hair, I mean, you have issues with cancer and issues with well, but some of these things though. that. If you have cancer. Or as they're getting older. Going through chemo. Yeah. Or as they're getting older, they can't grow their hair as long. I, I don't know. I, I'm not as. I'm not ready to make that strong of a statement right. on mm-hmm. women with short hair. Right. Well, and here's the distinction of, okay, you're getting older and your hair becomes brittle and you can't grow your hair. Okay. Is that you can't grow your hair or you don't want to grow your hair? There's That's a big distinction yeah. there. Now, when it comes to cultural things, we actually have historical preference and reference throughout all kinds of historical documents that men had short hair back then. Jesus would not have had long hair. The disciples would not have had long hair. Um, going back to the Jewish tradition, it, it was a shameful thing for men to have long hair. Go all the way back to Absalom, uh, the son of David. He grew his hair out as a form of pride. What happened? He was riding under an oak of Mamre, yeah. got his hair got tangled. His hair yep. He's hanging in an oak tree <laughs> by his hair, and they kill him. Yep. They kill him. It is a shameful thing for men to have long hair. Nazarene. Nazarene. That, that's another um, argument. Like, oh, well, okay, if it, if it was bad to, for a man to have long hair, well, why did Samson have long hair? Well, that was, they were set aside, and they were specifically told, and those are also the same ones who were specifically not to told, ha- told not to have alcohol. So. Right. God literally said, no. do not drink alcohol, do not touch anything dead, never allow a razor to touch your body. Like, they didn't shave their beards. They didn't shave any other form of their, their body. They didn't touch their head. That was because God told them to. Versus the natural order of things, men were to have short hair. And, and the, this is my thing. When we get into the, the, it was a cultural thing. As we go further, there's nothing in here that referen- references culture whatsoever. In fact, Paul references creation. Paul references... Uh, the order of creation, things that are immutable and things that transcend all time. And most importantly, he appeals to the angels. Yeah, we'll get, the, we'll get there. Verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. Now, we, we're having more distinction here. Why are men not supposed to cover their head when they are preaching or leading worship or praying or teaching, whatever it may be. It is because they are the image and glory of God. In, in this passage, it's saying if you're standing up doing this thing with, with a hat or a beanie or whatever it may be on, it says you're dishonoring Christ and you are covering the glory of God. Because your head is supposed to be the image and the glory of God. Why would you want to cover that up? And again, looking at it from the perspective of a cultural thing, well, this is just the Corinthians. Um, what, what's one of the main arguments? It's, oh, well, it's only mentioned once. And this passion pa- passage through scripture, it's only mentioned once. So therefore, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, let's back up there. Um, that's a very dangerous thing to say, to, to say, oh, well, it's only mentioned once in Scripture, therefore it's not as big of a deal. Okay, is this the Word of God? Is it immutable? Is it infallible? Is it 
as we believe, truly the spoken word of God. That is one of the arguments that I ran across. I'm like, yeah, I dismissed that one outright because yeah. it's that doesn't work. <laughs> I've actually heard that one more yeah. from have you? people than, than I would have ever thought. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. like, wait a second. I, I've read it. How a, many other things? Are only mentioned one time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's... That's kind of well. And wait, so you think he just wrote it for kicks? Like yeah. he was like, anything, <laughs> this is an afterthought. <laughs> anything I didn't write twice, just disregard. <laughs> well, and, and so the other one is, oh well, just because the Corinthians were just so bad, the Corinthians were so bad that they they just had to have all these things. Okay, read through <laughs> the other letters that Paul sent to all the other churches. There are things that Paul tells them to do that he doesn't tell the rest of the churches to do. So does that mean, oh well, the other churches don't have to do it? Or does it mean that those churches are actually obeying in this category and I don't have to tell don't them Don't have to, to address, yeah. He's right. addressing each church based on their issues and their problems that they're having. Exactly. Well, and this goes far beyond head coverings, but when it comes to <laughs> Corinthians, I'm like, all this. And we're not doing any of the stuff either that they're getting scolded for? How bad do you think we are? Not only are we church. not doing the things that Paul told the Corinthians to do, we're not doing anything that he told the Galatians, the Philippians, <laughs> the Ephesians. Like, <laughs> this is such a, uh, oh, what's the word? Uh, something that is used a lot. Uh, cliche. It's such a cliche. People talk about, oh, well, if you know Paul wrote, wrote the United States churches today, yeah, it would be so bad. I'm like, you don't actually know how bad it would be. It'd be. It's because we don't do anything that yeah. he told any of the churches to do. At all whatsoever. Yeah, and we come up with excuses for everything. Everything. So, and what's the big one? Culture. Well, oh. Culture, freedom in Christ. Oh, for, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, what, <laughs> that's actually what I was going to say about the whole, um, should she be shaved or shorn? He, he's using the same type of style as he does when he's saying, should we then go on and sin more so that grace may abound? Yeah. You know, it, it's that same No dummies. Style. Yeah. <laughs> it's that same style. Yeah. Um, that's Valor, if you guys can hear him. Yeah, I can hear him, baby. It's fine. We're just making all sorts of noises. Okay, <laughs> all right, so continuing with verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. So Paul is appealing to creation. He's going back to, again, as he does, talking about the order He's going back to the garden. He's going back to Adam and Eve. Adam was created first. Then woman came from man. Now, this, this, is, this is an important part, too, because now we're getting into Paul is trying to tell the men, don't read this passage and think that you are the epitome. Don't read this passage and think, oh, well, this woman is the dirt under my feet. And I, I'm her head, so therefore, you know, my my rule is the rule. And don't that, don't become that cliche of being oppressive, exa- right? Because exactly. they they look at this, and when they, you know, people look at this and they say, "Oh, that's oppression." No, that's the order. Now it can become oppressive, exactly, if if you push it to the extreme and you fall off the the wagon, so to speak, and you start going into that ditch that we right. talk about a lot. Right. So it can become oppressive. Right. But when done properly and done biblically. It's not. And that's what I think Paul's getting at here is like, let's not, let's make sure we stay in our proper places and we don't, men don't oppress the women, right. but also women don't try to usurp 
Exactly. And that's it. He is addressing both ditches. The women on the left, the men on the far right, as in, no, you keep your orders. You, You keep the hierarchy. But don't oppress in the hierarchy and don't supersede within the hierarchy. Well, the whole point of bringing up Christ in the church is be like Christ. <laughs> Christ is not a tyrant. Right. And Well, and Christ does not supersede God the Father. Right. As in, yeah, God the Father is Christ's head. And at no time does he go to God and say, I don't like the way you're leading. <laughs> no. He's like... If it be your will, please take this cup. <laughs> but if That's... it be your will, I'll do it anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, verse 9. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. Again, it goes back to the reason. God created man to do a job. And as he went throughout creation, naming all the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, everything else realizing there is nothing there as a suitable helpmeet for him. So God creates a helpmeet, someone that is able to come next to him and beside him to fulfill the job that God gave to Adam, because that's what happened. God created Adam and said, this is what I want you to do. There is nobody to work the ground of the earth. Uh, I'm going to create man in our image. And so he creates man. And once he creates man, God gives Adam the decree and he gives Adam the charge. He tells Adam, be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion over the earth. Adam or Eve's not created at that time. So after God created Eve, gave the woman to the man, then it was the job for the man to look at the woman and say, Hey, God gave me this charge. You're gonna help me with it. And Eve's like, Okay. <laughs> the the no portion in that part of scripture did God create Eve and give her to adam and when adam says hey this is my charge i need your help with it she's like yeah no i don't really want to do I have that my, i have my own I have mission my, over here i have my own ministry yeah, yeah. Exactly. so you know we're gonna separate here no that's not until after the fall right. <laughs> but yeah as we go further it, it gets deeper so we're gonna stop at verse nine though and come back at, uh, on another episode and Two-parter. Two-parter for head coverings. And and not six hours like a certain other person. Uh, names uh, not named. but It doesn't rhyme with singer. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I made it through most of it. I'd, and it was, it was, anyway. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to stop here and, and pause. And we're going to get into verse 10, which talks about angels and talks about some of the supernatural side of this. And do we need to interpret it as messengers, as angels? Like, what do we need to do with this particular passage? Because I think that could lead to a decently long discussion. Also, I have a few questions and a few comments and a few rebuttals that I've read that I want to get their take on as well. Because, again, this is not a topic that I have grappled with much. And so I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, as I'm sure a lot of you are as well, because this is such a foreign concept in our churches today. This is not something we do. And it should not be. Yeah. So That's why we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll throw that in there. It's fine. Well, we are taught. I mean, we're told to teach the whole counsel of Scripture. So we're going to stop there, and we'll pick it back up in a couple weeks with, with verse 10, because we're going to do our 100th episode next. So maybe our 101st episode will be part two of this. There you go. Uh, episode 103 is probably going to be, or 102, sorry. 102 is probably going to be a cool episode that Austin and I talked about, about some different uh, little quick-hitting episode on some different topics that we 
have been asked about before but haven't gotten into. Yeah. So we're going to do that. But anyway, do us a favor. Jump on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Follow us. Subscribe. It'd be awesome. We'd greatly appreciate it. Also, jump on our Facebook page. Pinned at the top of our Facebook page is a post saying, ask us any questions you want to ask us about, any topics, any scripture passages, any situations that you just would want our take on, even though our opinion doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, we would still like to give it and like to give our take biblically on anything you guys want. So do that for our 100th episode. That is what we want to do. Um, trying to think. Patreon.com slash Rudin Logos. We have some Patreon only. We have one Patreon only episode put out there. We'll get, we'll get more. And we'll get some more. And if this interview I'm working on works out, then maybe we'll have a video episode put on there. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week for episode number 100. In the meantime, stay, stay rooted. rooted. Yeah. Emily's favorite part of this. <laughs>